G'day, my name's Brock Cook and welcome to Occupied. In this podcast, we're aiming to put the occupation in occupational therapy. We explore the people, topics, theories and underpinnings that make this profession so incredible. If you're new here, you can find all of our previous episodes and resources at OccupiedPodcast.com. But for now, let's roll the episode. So, have you noticed... Yes. A difference in the rating, because obviously you've been, you've had your membership stuff open for a number of years now. Have you noticed a yeah. difference in the, I guess, the readiness or anything with regards to new grads over the years? Are they more prepared, less prepared, prepared in different I think, areas? I think the preparedness is... I, from my, from just the feedback, this is all I have, right? Yeah, is the yeah. questions and feedback that I have. I haven't found the preparedness much different. Um, I have found um, people different. I think okay. um, over the years, like how we consume social media, how we consume news information, how it's presented, how we want it presented, um, so like that, you know, and that I have to be kind of up on that, um, because even just trying to make sure that like my things in the membership are kind of like consumable to what people want, because before my biggest, my biggest thing, I guess, for me is like, I really want people to not just know what exercise or whatever it is, because you can go then get it on YouTube. Mm. I want to have, I go through like the critical thinking part of it. And like, why would I start here? Why wouldn't I do this? Um, I have to look at this first. This is how I get started. This is why I get started. So it's kind of like using critical thinking, using my experience of critical thinking with the research, with um, some techniques or things like that. So that's kind of like always been my jam. Um, I think people definitely want things faster so all, everything I have in there, like from, from a video standpoint, everything, all the educational videos are like less than 10 minutes, eight, five minutes. Like, cause I, I knew I wanted them short, right? Because this is when I started, I wanted them short because I mean, if you want to do a long one, you might as well get a continuing education course. Yeah, but yeah. if you just kind of want to know like, okay, they have this going on, like, how do I get started? You can like over your lunch break, look it up check things out and use it. That was kind of always the idea because that is exactly what I would have wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's been really interesting because I do feel like I, when I rebranded to OT flourish and um, put, got the whole new membership of facelift, it's a lot of the same content, but I restructured it. So there's like a roadmap, right? So like people can go in and say like, okay, if this is the areas I'm having difficulty with, you know, like trying to be a little bit more evaluate, you know, like um, personal ass- assessment yeah. and saying like, what do I kind of need? Because otherwise it's, you know, it can be overwhelming because there's a lot of, it's like Netflix, right? Like if you could just go in there and just like get anything, but you have categories (laughs) and I have like categories and you can sort things and I have assessments and, you know, patient handouts and the whole shebang. But how people consume content has been really interesting because um, I created the roadmap because I felt like some people were like, I just don't know, but. It's a lot more like being very direct and saying, you you know, step one, step two, step three. Because before, people felt like they could just go in. And the other thing is I really think it's really interesting. And I don't know if it has to do with, like, cancel culture or people being afraid to um, 
I just feel like people like want to be more anonymous, even though I really, really try to, because I genuinely care. Like I really do. Like I really want them to feel like they can ask me anything because specifically with COVID, like there are people that haven't even really touched a patient, you know, like, like even on their field works, we're not able to do that, not to their fault. Um, and you learn a lot on field work. Um, you, you know, good, bad, otherwise it's all a learning experience. And so sometimes, you know, they're embarrassed that maybe they don't know how to do certain things or, um, they're like some of the, what people would say, these are the basics. Like, I don't know, adjusting a walker. Like maybe they've never did a field work in there or they've never, or they've worked in pediatrics their entire life. And now they're going to work in a nursing home. Right. So it's like trying to figure that all out. Um, and so I really try to cultivate like a space of like, everybody's in here is about the same. They're feeling the same, right? I mean, this membership is not for somebody like me who's been a therapist forever. It's for someone who's, you know, starting out or needs extra support. So, um, but I feel like people are really much more, I shouldn't say afraid is the right word, but it's almost like everything people, a lot of people want to be anonymous. Um, they feel isolated and they feel alone, but no one, and they say they want community, but it's really hard. And I get it. Cause there's only so many hours in a day. Right. Like, mm. but it's really interesting. So I'm like trying to figure out different ways to kind of cultivate that because people say they want that. And I understand why they do, but sometimes it's just hard to commit. And so I see that too. So it's really interesting, just kind of those kinds of things that have evolved, Um, I think there's also a lot more with social media is like a blessing and a thorn, right? Like, like I think that there's a bigger space for (laughs) complaining. And uh, like, I feel like these issues that people, no, I shouldn't say that. That's not really fair. Like um, every generation or every so so many years of new grads Mm. have their own challenges, right? Like, I had a different payment system when I first started. So like, you know, compared to what they have now, like, you know, so I, I do recognize that, but, um, you know, like makes me sound like an old boomer or something like saying like, saying like, like, Oh, when I, we didn't have Facebook groups cause we didn't, um, or 15 miles in the snow just to get lunch. I had a, I had to print off my map quest to find my patient 30 miles up in the mountain. Those of you who don't know um, what map quest is, no. get that at Google. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know if it still exists. Oh, I don't know either. I should do it. I should find or figure it out. But I guess what I'm saying is like, I think those things have changed. But I think, I think, I guess what I'm saying is like, you know, the online space you can find, I think you can complain more, right? Because you have the group to complain with. So I think in some ways it's great because you're like, okay, I'm not the only one that has this crappy situation. Right. And they can kind of get support that way. But the other thing is, is I think sometimes it just breeds negativity because no profession is perfect. No, mm. you know what I mean? Like they'll be in some Facebook groups and um, you know, I like support specifically, you know, people maybe in long-term care, skilled nursing facilities, um, home health, and, you know, skilled nursing facilities specifically in the U.S. have a bad, can have a bad rap um, and just rightfully so. But some are awesome. So, like, 
you know, someone will be like, oh, I'm trying to, you know, I'm a new grad, but I didn't have a field work and skilled nursing. And people will be like, never, it's the worst experience, you know, experience ever. And then people get scared and they're like, well, maybe I shouldn't. And um, I tried to, there's just two sides yeah. and, and it could not, one, it might not be a match for them. A hundred, I get that a hundred percent, but also maybe you just had, you know, maybe you did work at a bad facility. Maybe you didn't have support and you needed it. Maybe there's so many things, right. That go into that. And so it's really, it's, it's just interesting. So I'm, you know, I do always try to be realistic because, um, I've worked at many, many facilities. <laughs> um, but also know that no, no place is perfect. I don't care. You know, there's always going to be pros yeah. and cons. And um, some cons are not worth your energy and time, right? So it's not a good fit for whatever reason. But I, I just really have a hard time with just canceling everything. Because I have such a soft spot for geriatric population. I, You know, they're, it's a vulnerable population. It's like who, you know, it's not seen as bright and shiny. You know what yeah, I mean? Like, yeah. Um, kind of disregarded and, you know, in our culture um, in general. And so, like, I have such a soft spot for kind of, like, a vulnerable, like, they just need all that love, you know? And um, and I just, I'm like, don't not want to go into it or try it because someone is very opinionated on that. But, you know, there, there's pros and cons. So it's just, it's just, like, the whole thing. It's like, when so when I started once upon a time <laughs> i was a new grad ot and wasn't i that moved long ago. <laughs> yeah it wasn't that long ago yeah oh my god uh many many moons ago um i moved to a new state to get into work and um there was no ot jobs here so i finished grad school i got married and i moved to colorado from North Dakota, which is also a very rural area. Um, and I worked in you know, different, some cities here and there and this and that. And then I ended up in Colorado, but I ended up in um, the mountain part, the ski resort area of Colorado. So everybody always thinks Denver, which is, a, you know, the city, but like, this is just, we're in the mountains. <laughs> like we're in the rural area of the mountains, which say is that beautiful and, and gorgeous. All I'm thinking is like deliverance. Oh, I was going to say South Park because that's oh, it. Okay, yeah. Or so deliverance, yeah. So I mean, you're animated, got it. Yeah, I'm animated. We're in the mountains. Um, and, you know, I couldn't find a job. I remember I interviewed a skilled nursing facility for a PRN job. So I was like, I'll take anything, any experience. And they're like, you don't have enough experience. And you're like, how am I supposed to get experience if... Um, so I ended up working in home health. And so it was not what I wanted to do. Not because I didn't want that population, just kind of more along the lines of like, I felt like, okay, I'm in the new, I'm in a new city, I'm in a new area, I'm in, I don't know anyone, you know, all of it. It's just like, maybe not, it's not like they had like mentorship programs because mm. there was one other, one other OT, he was full-time and he was great, but like, he's not, I mean, especially in home health, like, it's not like you see them in a clinic, right? Yeah, you yeah. can like, hey, ask questions. And let's be honest, they used to charge you for your minutes back on cell phone days. <laughs> and, you know, it's just like, I remember Google just getting, yeah, yeah, Google that too. 
my own Nokia. Um, so like make just kind of like, I remember just like being overwhelmed and scared and like just all the things, like, it's not even just the clinical things for, was for me. It was like, how do I handle, you know, <laughs> animals that try to bite you? <laughs> like actually some of the basic, Oh man. Oh, Brock, you've never worked home health. Like, Oh God. The family members, the, the you know, hoarding. Wasn't the, the animals that were trying to bite me, that's all. No, oh, well, uh, everything in between. But I really <laughs> loved it once I kind of got in my groove. I really did. And I was there for almost five years. But um, I, you know, like that feeling, I know that feeling of like going home and wanting to cry because you're like, oh, my God, what? <laughs> what am I doing? Am I even doing anything? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. what am I even doing? Like, I, like, I'm not even helping them. And, you know, in home health, like, you cannot get more occupation-based or focused yeah, than yeah. home health. And that's why it's so awesome um, because they want to stay home. And that's the goal is to try to help them stay home. A lot of them have been in the hospital and then they're you know, sent home, but they can't get in for other types of therapy. So we go to see them, right? But I just remember that feeling of just feeling terrible and like not really feeling I had any support lonely because i mean even though i had co-workers there was i think like five pts and this was you know and one full-time ot and some great nurses i mean it wasn't like they weren't supportive but it's just hard you know um and so you know like what a lot of us do is we start using our resources well now we have resources right like we have you can Google things. You can, you know, join memberships like mine or like, you know what I mean? Like there's, there's, mm. there's opportunity for connection. Um, and at the time there wasn't. So I started like putting together a binder of all sorts of, you know, patient handouts, which a lot of people do, right? Like trying to get the thing. But when I decided to like create my membership, that was my driving force. I'm like, I know exactly how I felt when I was new, mm -hmm. alone, didn't even know where the heck I was going because my map quest messed it up. <laughs> and you know what I mean? And just like trying to like, I wanted to create something that I could have used that would have been helpful for me that I could have like been able to ask those questions. Because uh, a lot of the questions I get in, you know, in the membership is not even just always like, what do I do if, you know, their shoulder is, you know, old rotator cuff injury, whatever it yep. is, they can't reach, they can't, you know, shower or whatever. It's not always that. It's sometimes it's just like those things, like when you're new, you just don't know because you don't have the experience. It's not that I'm like any smarter than anyone else. Everyone else went to OT school. We passed the exam. We did all the things. I just have more experience to draw off yeah. of. Um and I'm a big thinker. Like I, I will figure out, and I think that's how OTs are. Like we can also like be creative and innovative and we can figure stuff out. And that's what I love about it. Um, and that is, I would say one of my strengths, I can just research the crap out of anything. Like I, can, I will go down the rabbit hole, but just trying to figure out like questions that they have are like, like professional issues as well. Mm. Like, Okay, um, I don't know how much to push my patient with pain. Like, do I have to get them out of bed? PTs are saying this. They're the patients are like crying. They're yelling. Like, do I have to? Like, what? You know, it's like those things that you need experience for, yeah. or someone to kind of bounce those ideas off of. So it's been really. I like that. I like that I can, you know, just use my experience um, 
because I've worked in so many settings um, to kind of support people in that journey because it does suck when you're starting out. And, and I don't care. Like if, if I had to go to, pe- like, like I was saying, if I had to go to pediatrics, I would want some kind of resource or have a mentor or someone I can at least ask questions to because I, I'm an OT. I can think like an OT, right? I, I, I understand what I'm, I, I'm trying to do, but some of those things you have to learn and you don't have the experience. So I just, I just really enjoy like supporting most of mine are new grads, but some yep. are, like I said, transitioning from a different setting that they've never worked in skilled nursing or home health. Um, I have people on like that when they're on their field works or I don't know what you guys call them, like internships or placements. things like that. Yeah. Placements. Um, you know, like they just are needing a little bit more support or creative ideas or things like that. So I just, I'm like a mama bear when it comes to those guys. I mean, <laughs> don't be, bear. don't be smashing the light out of a motivated new grad. Like I just, do you know what I mean? Like they're scared, but they're motivated because they want to do a good job, right? Like they yeah, yeah. paid 100%. all this money to go to school and you're like, I'm excited to get to see patients and like get a real paycheck and like do all the things. Um, and so I just really am. I like, I like to be able to support them. And it's just really kind of like a fun, I think my business for me, it's fun because I do, I like the connections and I don't know. I, I just, I think it's so important. I mean, because there's lots of other, I mean, there's opportunities, like even if like my membership isn't a good fit, right. There's other memberships, there's state associations that have resources. Some of them have like one-on-one mentorship programs. Like there's lots of different ways to do that. I just, I guess, encouraging people to, if they really feel like they're struggling, like use your resources because they are, I mean, even joining even like some Facebook groups, maybe not the ones that are like bashing everything, but because some of them are really a little brutal, but they can also be super helpful. And, you know, um, it's like use that because that's, I don't know, you don't have to do it alone because yeah. you just feel like you sh- people feel like they should know it all. And I don't, I, and I don't care who, what year you started being an OT, you, no one ever feels like they're ready. Like no one ever feels prepared still not ready you know what i mean i mean even if you've like did a placement or field work at a facility and then you end up getting hired at least i mean you know the systems but you were still new once like Mm. you still had to figure it out once or had you know at that time you probably had like a mentor or a we call them clinical instructors you know somebody there that's going to be your person to help you through that but i mean if you don't have that like and you're really struggling. I mean, people have said all sorts of things to me. And like, they're saying, I don't think OTs for me or this or that. And, um, and maybe it's not like, I'm not saying it's not, but I guess what I'm saying is because we have so many opportunities and different areas to work in, figuring out where you're fit is takes time sometimes. Like, mm. People will say, like, I was going to be a pediatric OT, pediatric, pediatric, and then they work in a, I don't know, nursing home, and they're like, I never would have guessed it, right, or whatever that may be. Um, And I think part of it is even if you have a kind of shitty experience, you can learn a lot about not only yourself, but, like, what you want in a facility, what you do not want in a facility, and those types of things. So, I think it's it's 
been interesting observing the differences like you mentioned earlier with regards to social media and some people wanting to be like anonymous now. Yeah. And just looking and at the, the trend, like even Facebook's brought in like the ability to post in groups anonymously. Yes. Yeah. Based on, you know, feedback that they were getting, etc. Yeah. But I think it's important to note that what you end up, I like to think of any information you're getting off like a group like that, kind mm-hmm. of almost like an anonymous poll in that the people that are motivated to comment and give opinions are either mm-hmm. at the extreme end of having a good experience or, or liking something or the mm-hmm. complete opposite. You don't mm-hmm. end up with a lot of middle ground. So if you post yeah. a question, you're going to get people saying, like you said before with uh, about SNFs, yeah. oh, oh, it was shit, or loved it, won't, yeah. won't do anything else. You don't get a yeah. lot of that middle ground opinion. I feel like mm-hmm. the one thing that's probably changed a lot, like aside from that, but the one thing that's probably changed that's had the biggest impact is, mm-hmm. and we saw it particularly during the the pandemic, the early stages of the pandemic, is people are just taking things, like, as gospel when they read them. Because everything moved online, it was almost like, well, the root of all truth must be online as well. Uh, Yeah. And, like, I've seen people who clinically uh, were, like, the, the most stringent critical thinkers... And then when it came to, like, an opinion online, it's like, well, Bob said this. And I'm like, what the hell? Like, why why is that skill set not carrying over onto, into, like, stuff you see in a Facebook group? Because I can guarantee, like I said, the stuff you see in a Facebook group is coming from someone who's either at the very extreme end of happy with it or at the extreme end of not happy with it. Yeah, especially the opinions, you know what I mean? Mm. Like versus even like there's a lot of opinions, like you say, about like what do you think about this or what do you think about that? Or um, there's just so many things that can't be explained in a little Facebook comment. <laughs> like even things like, you know, I get I want to get paid this much in this area. Well, people be like, oh, I would never get paid that little or I would never get. But there's so many things that go into that, like location and reimbursement because our we have different state uh different types of insurance like medicare is always a big Mm. thing in u.s and like the states are reimbursed differently so like you can't only get paid so much like and so it's just like i understand what they're trying to do like i know what they're the information they're trying to do and then the people say like oh you shouldn't do this i understand that but also it's just like you don't really get the full picture um i'm such a big like I will think of every scenario that I can when it comes to a topic. Um, it doesn't matter if it's OT or whatever it is. Like I really try to think of, all, look at all sides, mm. right? And that's just how I think. Um, and so I he, hear that I I know what they're trying to say. Like you know, know your worth. I'm like, yeah, but that's short sighted because there's lots of things that go into that. Um, and so like. You know, same with even like treatment ideas. People always want treatment ideas. And I struggle with that a little bit because um, I feel like you can take an occupation. And if you're doing like a top down approach, right, like 
um, we're working on the occupation itself, or maybe we are going to use that occupation as a medium or the leisure activity as a medium for a more of a bottom up approach, right? Like it kind of just depends on what you're trying to achieve. So like when people say, I want, you know, an exercise or I want a treatment idea for this. And I'm like, I can take the leisure activity of playing a piano and how many things can we work on, you know? Uh, right like you can do core strengthening you can do visual scanning i mean there's so many things you can do so like i'm like you can almost take anything Uh, no that's an exaggeration but you know what i'm saying like if i have to work on there's not one set exercise for each thing you can't go like yeah what what do you do for this i'm like well yeah whatever the fuck you want really and it's so interesting because Using even if you say using occupation as a means, yep. Um, if you're using it as a means, we do that in pediatrics all the time. Mm-hmm. Like when kids, you know, you're playing with kids and they're working on, you know, fine motor pinching or whatever. But it's almost like when we start, why it's so difficult for people to transition to that thought or that view of occupation as maybe a means. Um, for an older adult, it get people just it, they really struggle, and that's really interesting to me because I, think I, have I an just for that. okay. Well, because we're not playful. No, not know. necessarily. I, I I think, and again, think? this is just my opinion. So please do <laughs> take it as a critical. Everyone, yes, this is Brock's critical. opinion. Yeah, just being very okay. clear. I don't care. <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> so, like when we're working in peds, we're we're doing occupation as means, but. Uh, compared to adults, kids are generally easier to engage with something that's fun. So we can literally mm-hmm. tailor an activity that suits mm-hmm. our therapeutic, like what we want it to Goals. do therapeutically, yeah. mm-hmm. and make it fun for a kid. Like, mm-hmm. So essentially we're getting them to do what we want. Whereas when we get to adults, you kind of mm-hmm. almost have to do it the other way around and we're for proper, really good occupation-based practice, we have to take what that person enjoys and find a way to use it therapeutically, which is not... It's not difficult, but, well, it's not super difficult, but it's more difficult than us doing it the other way around and going, well, therapeutically, I need this person to get this out of it. I'm going to design an activity around that. Yes. We're doing it backwards with adults. Yeah, yeah, I see. Yep. Okay. I'll take that. That's my theory. <laughs> no, no, it is. And I mean, also, I mean, like, I think it obviously depends on your setting. Like how many visits do you get to see with the patient? Home health, maybe you don't have that many. Skilled nursing, maybe you have a lot. Mm. You know what I mean? There's like all these different things. And then, you know, you get to the idea of like you talk to people that, you know, are kind of a little bit more maybe re- recluse or they're in a nursing home and they don't quote do much. And so people are like, I don't know what to do with them because Mm. I asked them, what did they want and need to do? And they're like, you know, okay, not need maybe, but like want to do like nothing. Like, what do you do during the day? Nothing. I sit, right. Yeah. And so I really encourage people um, to really, even if you do an occupational profile, like you sometimes just cannot get that information. And so one of the little tips or tricks, the the trade that I always do is like I have them walk through like what their day looks like like Mm. exactly because I'm like well what do you do after you get up like when you wake up what do you do because some people make their bed some people take a shower some people go drink coffee um some people you know what I mean like 
Yeah, guilty. Like I don't, I don't do any of that. I, I go to the coffee maker and turn, oh, I put on a robe. I'm a robe wearer, so I put on my robe. Too hot. And I go to the coffee. Yeah. Ah, oh, it's chilly here. It's Colorado. Um. So you know what I mean. So like, um, everybody has it. So I actually really break it down, and I'm like, I'm so gonna be nosy, like, and I'm so gonna be doing this, and we're gonna really break it down because then they start saying, oh well, I let my dog out. Because he has to go to the bathroom every morning, right, mm. for doing maybe home health. And then they say, and then I go, whatever. And then it just kind of, I, then I take my medicine. Then I, you know, it's like when you start really breaking it down. Mm. I mean, even if it's not something that they, quote, want or, you know, they say I don't do anything. We do a lot of things, even mm. if you're just sitting there watching TV all day, right? You're still like, oh, I usually make my lunch because a lot of people are very routine. Um, routine habits and, you know, roles and routines. Wait, I messed that up. You know what I mean? Um, are so important, I think, specifically for older adults when they don't have that if they're not like volunteering or having that yep. sense of purpose. Um, and I do think that plays into depression and a lot of different other things um, as well. But I really say, like, let's dig into this. And then, you know, when you're talking about like making it fun for older adults, um, it's not always about making it fun. Like, I, I mean, I like I'm a jokester. When it comes to my patients, nah. and I like, yeah, yeah, I am. I like to tease him. <laughs> I kind of silly. Like, you know, I had a lady that was like, loved Robert Redford, and she like would stay far away from her walker. I'd be like, okay, so I put, I'd tape a little picture of Robert Redford on the front of his walk, her walker. I'd be like, get close to Robert Redford, and she thought it was so funny. You know, what I mean, just like, <laughs> you gotta make it fun. If you are not having fun, they are so not having fun, you know? And um, I think, like, tr not treating, but, like, seeing that every they're human just like anyone mm -hmm. else. Like, people and, – and, and there's a lot of, like, being able to read the room and therapeutic use of self. Like, some people want a serious therapist. I can do that. Um, some people like the silliness. I can do that. Like, I, you know, it's like trying to match the energy and feel what they need in the moment, which does take experience. Mm. But I think the other thing is, is like, if you really explain to the patient what we're doing and what we're trying to achieve, they're much, the buying is so much better. And mm. so people will be like, oh, they'll, you know, they don't want to do anything. I can honestly say I obviously have had people refuse me over the years. 100%. But I'm pretty good. It's not even about convincing and trying to be like this and that. It's kind of like tapping into like human to human, like connecting and saying like, you can trust me. And like, what do we need to do to move forward? Like, you know, break it down one step at a time. I'm like, let's just sit at the bed and see how you feel. If you feel terrible, you can go back to bed. You know what I mean? Sometimes it's just the idea of, oh my God, I have to get up and do therapy and this and that. Or, you know, reviewing their goals or like saying like, you know what, your goal is to, you really, I always use toileting as always my goal <laughs> or examples when I'm talking because <laughs> it's such a, everybody needs to use the toilet or wants to use the toilet. So it's like, if your, your problem is, is like, you know, you're having problems, even like with, um, your balance is really, you know, not very good toilet. And that's something we have to work on. So we can either work on balance by doing, you know, toileting, or we can, work on balance, doing something fun. And like, sometimes I will actually even give them some choices. So they feel in that sense of control Yep. instead of someone younger coming in there and just bossing them around. Them and saying like, but just saying like, but this is what we want to do. We can either, some people find 
therapeutic exercise very um that's meaningful to them so some people like i just want then great let's do it that way but they're like oh you know are they golfed they want to get i'm like we can work on balance which still works on your toileting goal you know what i mean because that's one of the components so it's like trying to get creative with that and thinking big about how activity analysis plays into those pieces. Cause I think that is the key. One of the keys of OT um, being able to kind of break down and figuring it out, you know? Um. I was just thinking too, I think one of the other reasons just to add on to what I was saying before is that yeah. needs therapists in general are just more creative because that's what they do day to day. I know. And you know what, to be honest, like, Pete's Instagrams way more fun than like mine. Like, geez, bright colors because they get colorful and... and yeah, silly. I mean, I guess I could do some Robert Redford reels on Instagram or something. Most but people have to look up who that is. I know. Well, I had to. I was like, I, don't young know people he, I know the name, but I don't know what he looks this, like. This... Elvis was another one. Was oh, another this... one. Yeah, they were just like you know. It's like when you play their favorite music in in during therapy. If they if music is a motivator for them, you know, like finding what um, it's just kind of like I said, it's just like connecting human to human. Because I think what ends up happening is one, people sometimes will treat older adults like their children. Number one, sometimes, um, and, and or that they, I mean. Depending on setting, depending on area, depending on all these things. Like some people, some older adults want to feel respected, right? Mm -hmm. Or some just want to just be human, right? Like, and I think going in, especially with an adult, where you're going to be, it's not the same as working, you know, like um, you're going to be building a relationship with them in the sense you're probably going to see them for a period of time. And, you know, like taking one minute at the beginning of your eval to really connect with them, mm. you get so much more out of your evaluation than if you just came in there and say, oh, I'm Manny from OT and it just get, starts getting rocking. Um, I think like that human connection, I'm really big on um, so soft skills. Like I think like therapeutic use of self, listening, like really building that rapport, yeah. you get so much more information. They'll tell you the things that they tell you. You're like, what the heck? Or, you know, it's, I, I think, I, I guess maybe I'm just nosy. And so. That's not nosy. Like, I, it's, it's one of those yeah. things. And I feel like that's one of the things that sets us as OTs apart from some other professions. And I know, like, recently there's been a lot of argument online about, you know, medical model versus social model yeah. and all that sort of yeah. stuff. But. Uh, any one of those on its own isn't going to, mm -mm. you're not going to be able to see the person as a, a whole person. If you're just exactly. looking at a medical model, then you're looking at people as a series of functions and a series of systems. If you're just yes. looking at a social model, then you're not seeing the person at all, but you're seeing the connections that people make between mm -hmm. themselves. And we, mm -hmm. we do need both in varying degrees in different settings in order to be able to connect and see that individual as their own individual. Mm -hmm. And that's where OT fits, where we're not in either of those camps. If we were in the medical model camp, we'd be a physio or we'd be a doctor. If we were in the social camp, we'd be a social worker. Yeah. 
Right. We're in between and that's where we find this concept of occupation and the people doing things that mm-hmm. improves their health, which includes social connection, which includes mm-hmm. sport and exercise, which includes going to the toilet, which includes all of mm-hmm. those things that occupy their time. That's where we find them is that junction between, you know, medical model stuff, social model stuff, psychological model stuff like yeah. we're in that junction in between and I, I always worry when people are swinging one way or another due to a I, I don't even know why it is I'm assuming it's just a personal preference or a, an identity crisis or whatever it is like oh my god the doctors need to know who I am so I need to be able to speak their language yes yeah, speak their language but that doesn't mean you have to control it like I can learn to speak Chinese that doesn't make me Chinese Right. Like, yeah. I'm still me and I'm still proud of my identity and what I have to offer. And the same thing goes in a professional sense. I know what mm-hmm. a physio does. Like, my brother's a physio. I'm well aware mm-hmm. of how they operate, their different models and that sort of stuff. I work alongside a lot of physios at my work at the university. Mm-hmm. I'm not a physio. <laughs> like, right, if anything, right, 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 if anything right. it highlights the difference and the uniqueness of OT to me rather than me going, oh, I need to be like that. Uh, Sorry, yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's frustrating that I I don't know. It's hard to convey that to someone who's already in a space where their professional identity either isn't formed or maybe having a crisis of identity. And those crises of identity is generally due to the specific workplace that they've been in at that point in time and it not being reinforced that OTs are unique or they're not having the support to be able to do the unique work that OTs are actually trained to do. Mm-hmm. And that frustrates me because then, like we talked about yeah. before, you get the social media thing where you hear from either end of the spectrum. So you get people that, for lack of a better term, the research term is lurking, believe it or not, where they'll actually go in and consume the information on social media without actually contributing to it. Yeah. yeah and they're yeah, just yeah. seeing the extremes. So they're seeing all of these people like, oh, I hate this and I hate that and blah, blah, blah. And they're like, oh, shit, maybe this isn't for me or maybe the idea mm-hmm. that I've got. And then it creates like this this contagious uh, like identity crisis within the profession, all because we've not developed the critical thinking skills enough to be able to take them from uh, like understanding evidence-based practice to understanding the exact same thing but in a a more social context of social Mm -hmm. media yeah there's so much to say about that but I mean you know like I think evidence-based practice also like people need to remember and realize that evidence-based practice is not just ripping something out of a research article And, and, and utilizing it. There's it's a number it's of things the, that go into it. Yes. It's, uh, it's the experience. It's the mm. patient. It's the preference. There's so many things. And so, like, I think sometimes that gets kind of muddy because, you know, sometimes people are like, I want, you know, like, where's your level one evidence, blah, blah, blah. I get, like, I get it. Like, I'm, I want to be, you know, use the evidence and what's new or, but also I've worked in many different settings and many different, um, having lots of different experiences. And, um, 
there's lots of things that I take into consideration like that maybe is not just like the textbook always, right? Because I feel like I try, strive to be client-centered. Mm. And when you're client-centered and you put the client at the center of the direction of what you need to be working and doing with them, yeah. like everything else should fall into place a little bit easier. And, you know, it's just really, it's just, I think... Like I said, I turn into mama bear when it comes to those polarized statements, whatever that may be. Like there's some people who are just, you know, they're strictly occupation based too. And I'm not that. Oh, there's definitely I am I am a mix of so many theory and so many things because I feel because I am client centered. Like I because I am client centered. Well, I that's my thought on it. Like, I feel like um, but that's not always some people are purists when it comes to certain types of I'm moho. I'm this. I'm this kind of therapist. I focus on this or this facility is this type of neuro rehab. And you're like, I had conversations about that. And that nothing shits anymore. I guess one of the things when Mama Bear Mandy comes out is when (laughs) I have specifically new grads, you know, saying things like someone said this and this this is the hard part about social media especially when you're new like i was saying before it's like it's hard to filter that because you know you're trying to get as much information you're trying to learn um and you're like everybody else seems like they're on board with this like is this is this this isn't how i think like what it makes you question almost more sometimes um or you just like i said agree with it and just roll and but i think the biggest thing is um one of the things is example is like remediation versus adaptation. Okay. So, um, I think it's very client specific. (laughs) I think there's so many factors that go into that. So sometimes you do have to just adapt. Sometimes you do say like, okay, we're going to really focus on remediation and it depends on your setting. It depends on your client, depends on where they are in their own rehab journey. Sometimes you do both at the same time. So you're like, okay, I'm going to let you, we're going to learn how to, you know, use a sockade so you can be independent until you get there on your own. Like, why can't we mesh all these ideas? And it turns into sometimes, you know, people questioning themselves because someone says this and someone says that, and I'm never going to say I'm always right. And, you know, the whole OT thing, like it depends because it really does depend on the client. And so I really like the idea of, you know, OT is a way of thinking, you know, OT is a way of thinking that we are looking at occupation and what are the needs and wants that the patient, you know, um, needs and wants to be able to do to occupy their time. And um, I'm I'm not going to write goals on dressing just because I think you can do it. Even if I actually say from my experience, I'm like, there's no way that they could. Oh, oh. Oh, Sorry, something fell down. Oh. Something, uh, uh, a white marker board. It probably was getting, I was getting feisty or something. But um, basically, it's just, was I, was I, I lost my train of thought. But no, basically what I'm saying is, like, it's just like one of those things. Like, we we don't have to be so pierced. But I'm not going to write it. What I was saying is I don't have to write a goal and dress thing if that's not important to them. Or they have somebody mm-hmm. that will help them. Um, but people say, like, oh, but they they should be able to. Yeah, maybe I think they should be able to, too. But that is not what is important that is not what they want or need to do and if i write a goal on that like 
they may never achieve it anyway because they don't give a crap about it. Like why? But that's what ends up happening is they start saying like, well, they should be able to do this only if they want to. Like, or maybe, maybe now is not the time. They're not at that place yet. So it's so important to really also understand the continuum. Like for us is that we have a continuum of care. Like they start in like in the hospital. And a lot of times they'll go to inpatient, you know, and they, there's like a, there's a, you know, a chain of events that typically happens. Yeah, yeah. And when you have an understanding or experience in all of those, um, I, I've, I've worked in every single area of continuum of care in addition to random things like oncology rehab and ergonomics and on on site oil well ergonomic assessments <laughs> with functional capacity evaluation i've done so many things it's crazy it's crazy i can't but picture mama how, bear mandy t- on an oil rig oh oh yeah you want to look you put on the hard hat you're wearing the outfit flipboard the glasses it was a trip, but I learned so much, right? <laughs> um, but I guess what I'm saying is like some of these things, it's really hard to explain unless you've experienced those settings and mm-hmm. not that everyone has to work in all the settings. But I think being open to that each setting is, has its own individual needs, um, limitations, um, strengths, and your practice may look very different in that. So to, to just say it only works one way is mm. really, really unrealistic. Um, it, you go to home health and you're like, oh my gosh, I get to only see you four times. I'm probably not going to be working on the most dynamic balance program because I only get to see them a couple times. I'm fo- more focused on adaptation of their home so they're safe and they can leave safely mm. and they can identify, you know what I mean? Like, so it's just like, what I would love to do in that environment versus what I'm able to do are sometimes two different things. Yeah. So I think just ha- like maybe you don't understand, but being open to saying like, okay, like this can look very, very different in different areas. So I just, I wonder whether or not, or I wonder how better, this is probably a better way to put it, how we can get that critical thinking into that sort of qualitative aspect of the profession more because I feel like that's where, so the, the students that I've talked to and the new guys that I've talked to that are, um, I guess having that crisis of professional identity are generally looking for very black and white structured, you know, they're the, the, the ones that are looking for, okay, so what assessments do we do in this, this setting and that sort of stuff rather than like, like you said, the soft skills, how can I build better relationships with my clients? How can I get to know mm-hmm. them better in order to, you know, customize and tailor yeah. the, mm-hmm. the service that I'm able to deliver them. Mm-hmm. And I feel like even in uh, like traditional, I guess, critical, uh, yeah, like critical thinking models, mm-hmm. it's still a lot of the examples I see given are still around that sort of quantitative aspect of uh, the profession in that it's, you know, here's an assessment that is research published and here's how you can integrate this with experiential evidence and, mm-hmm. you know, clients' previous experience, etc. Mm-hmm. as opposed to the, like, 
I, I can do my job in mental health without a specific, you know, standardised assessments. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't generally fit your traditional, uh, I guess, critical thinking model because I'm not necessarily integrating, uh, you know, an assessment resource into it kind of thing. Right. So I'm having mm-hmm. to look at some of the more qualitative research around engagement or around whatever particular activity we're doing and the therapeutic benefits. Mm-hmm. And I think people struggle to... Or in the, my, the people that I've spoken to seem to ha- struggle to sort of, I guess, meld those two together. It's mm-hmm. either sort of one or the other. And I feel like that's why people tend to lean towards... Uh, more structured settings, particularly in early years, is because they it's one less thing they have to think about. It's like, well, I know what yeah. I have to do in this setting. I have to do this exactly. assessment. I have to do that assessment. Mm-hmm. And like one of the things that, like you were talking about before, how a, like a whole service can go. Well, we do this type of yes. modality. Oh, or we I can't do this stand type that. of setting. I'm like, well, <laughs> what if that doesn't suit the person <laughs> that you're working with? Yeah. Like. Yeah. My view on it is it sounds very similar to yours is mm-hmm. OT and, and OT in general, if we're not using OT as a, a noun for the profession, it's right. just a toolkit. It yeah. gives us a whole range of skills and it's up to our clinical judgment as to which tool we're going to use for each individual client. Now, in order to, to determine that, we need the skills, the soft skills to be able to get to mm-hmm. know that client to be able to understand that client's wants, needs, and wishes. Mm-hmm. And then we need the critical thinking to be able to self-reflect on our own toolkit and see, well, this might work, this might work, this might work. Evidence says that these two might work. Mm-hmm. My knowledge of the client says that it's probably more likely to be this particular thing. So let's give that a try. And, and it's in not always nu- going to be in a nutshell. Right. That's so yeah, in yeah. a nutshell. And then yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And then you've got a feedback loop of oh well, that didn't mm-hmm. quite work because right. You know, oh, this other information came into play that I didn't know about prior to making mm-hmm. that decision, and now I can see that okay, that probably wasn't the best one, but we've got this other one. We'll try that next. Like it's not right. linear. Everyone looks at rehab like a linear thing. Like they come into the hospital, we do this, 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 and this with them, <sighs> and then they leave better mm-hmm. and happy with yeah. our service. Right. You're and that's welcome. and that's and that's the thing that like I was saying before it's like yeah could you go and google or get online a an exercise yeah hmm. you can. But the critical thinking skill and I think part of that is experience I do think seeing a lot of different types of people and saying like okay like not everybody that has X, Y, and Z diagnosis is going to look the same because there's a lot of context, environment. There's so many things, right? Other diagnoses and that kind of thing. Um, I think – so here's an example of a complaint <laughs> that I've heard. You know, like, And I don't know – I mean, like I said, it's been a long time since I've been in OT school, but they still do it to a degree. Yep. Um, they maybe do a class. I don't know if it's a class or a course on like we basket weaving. They'll be like, Oh, we're still doing basket weaving in school. Like, you know, like, you know, the, the, the basics of OT from back in the day. And my argument is, okay, maybe basket weaving isn't number one choice. Cause is that being a very occupation based with the, with the students that are <laughs> there? 
what in in the activity analysis things where we used to have to like do pages of activity analysis like i remember i come fishing right and everybody's like oh god these things you never do these in real life true you never do those in real life you're probably even basket weaving i mean i've never done basket weaving well i take that back when i was Working in the mental health facility. <laughs> yes, we did. But never say never. <laughs> never say never. Um, but um, but the same thing with the activity analysis of whatever my fishing activity. I actually still remember it because it was that I was like, oh my God. And people complained, like, I never do this in real life. What those things are is teaching you how to think. Mm -hmm. It's teaching you how to look at any activity, basket weaving that you'll never use in your life. And you can say, okay, this is what I'm going to, this, I can take this, this occupation, this task, this leisure activity. How do I make it therapeutic for my patient? How can I help them achieve actually the goals that they want to do in a meaningful way? And that is what I think sometimes gets missed because it's not very fun to do these huge ass assignments or you feel like it's not, you know, helpful I will say probably one of the things that probably, you know, I know the complaint is like, oh, basket weaving or whatever it is. Like we're doing, what was it? I'm trying to think. I had a friend that I know a lot I'm of courses used to do like woodwork. Woodwork or we did like bead, like weaving or something. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Or something, you know what I mean? And it's really not about that. Yeah. And that's the thing. So maybe like once you do those activity analysis, you're like saying like, okay, like they don't have this fine motor. Okay, we understand that. So what else can we do? I think the part of the thing is they said like, okay, now we know, oh, they need they have high motor problems. Now what? Mm. Like now what? And so I understand that to a degree. Um, and so you're like, okay, well, you know, they're having problems with balance in the in the bathroom toilet. But and then you're like, well, the then toilet. now what? And I think that's sometimes the argument. They're like, well, then now what? Now yeah, what yeah. do we do? We we can identify it, but like now what? And so um I, I mean, for ha being a lover of soft skills and combining all OT theory, I definitely use assessments because I think assessments also, especially if you can't quite quantify something or yeah. you're trying to just like a goal, like how do you quantify um, like uh, like an essential tremor if you don't have, yeah, yeah. I mean, unless you say, yes, they can hold a spoon or no, they can't. But like, if you have an assessment that can help you quantify that, then you have somewhere to start. And that's always kind of my thing about um, people that really struggle, you know, with treatment planning. I'm like, well, if you don't do a good assessment, or an evaluation on the front end, you don't know where you're starting from. So you're just like spaghetti throwing against the wall because mm. you're like, okay, I know I have to work on balance, but if you don't actually know where they're starting from, mm. like how, how do we make a, how do we progress them to the next level? Yeah, yeah. Because you're just like, I'm doing balance activities, but it's all like, you can't progress it. So I understand those things. Like I understand it all, but it's really interesting. Um, it's like some of those, the complaints are like in school, we're doing this and that. And like, because they're tr training you how to think, they're training you how to analyze. They're trying to figure out how do you, because activity analysis is key um, in figuring out, the, you know, what do we need, what are we looking at? And and then looking at people as people from a holistic view. So. I think that's one of the biggest things that changed through my, probably more so going back into academia after mm -hmm. you know, many moons. Um it's definitely not something that I even considered while I was at uni. Uh, and I think you've really just 
nailed it there, and that's given me a lot more thoughts on on a few things. Oh. Um, so essentially, now that I am at uni and and teaching, and we our, our cohorts tend to have a variety of people uh, people from a variety of ages. Okay. And one of the biggest difficulties I find is we're trying to deliver information that people with a variety of developmental stages can take in. So we yeah. know that yeah. younger people up until sort of mid-20s, uh, when they're learning something, they're learning it specifically. They're, they're learning the task. They're learning this is exactly what it is. Whereas older mm-hmm. people, sort of older than that, mature age students and the mm-hmm. like, are looking at learning more from a conceptual point of view where we can teach them the concept and then they're able to apply it to different settings. Mm -hmm. So we're trying to teach the same content in a way that targets to people from very different ways of looking at it. So (laughs) generally when, like you just described, if we're teaching people that are sort of straight out of high school or in in you guys' instance, it's like straight out of undergrad or I don't know, yeah, Mm -hmm. however you guys work your system, younger people, um, then when they're doing an activity analysis of some sort at uni, it's often viewed as they're trying to teach us how to do whatever the activity is. When the I feel like older people who are now using their sort of crystallized intelligence are more getting the concept that we're trying to teach uh, a theory or a concept that can then be applied across Mm -hmm. different things. So, yeah, you're right. That's hard, though. People used to whinge about, like I've told the story in the last, actually on uh, Holly Mm -hmm. the OT's podcast about how I got into OT. And I got into OT because my friend was making a soft puppet. I remember this. And I'm like, I just thought, oh, that looks fun. I'm like, yeah. I want to make a sock puppet. I'll do it. I want to make a sock puppet. Um, yeah. And I did that because I didn't end up making a sock puppet, unfortunately. But Fine. Uh, like I never clicked on at that time because at the time I was 18, 19, something like that. Yeah, young. And I yeah. never clicked on that they weren't actually trying to teach me to no. make a soft puppet. And guess what? I've no. never made a soft puppet with a client. See? Damn and it. that's why people, like, they start think, talking about that. I'm just like, actually, that's kind of not the point. And that's kind of like what I was talking about, like, what I really try to emphasize, like, in my membership with the mm. people that I'm kind of supporting is, like, that is why I can take any leisure activity people because we can't quote bill for leisure activity mm-hmm. in like skilled nursing facilities and home health and things like that even though it's part of our scope but if it doesn't get paid for like you can't do it but i personally integrate a lot of leisure activity into as a means to help them towards their other goals so like like i said um they like to do golf okay we're going to you have to work on balance because you can't do <laughs> Whatever, sit on Can't the, go to the toilet. Say, sit on the toilet. But like, what I'm saying is like, you can still use your the whole scope of, of OT, the overlying arching themes, and saying like, how do I, how do I make this meaningful to them? How do I? But also, I think it's super important to explain what you're doing and why you're doing it, mm. because they they may say like, oh my god, all OT did was have me play cards okay 
Mm. We're not playing. I mean, we're playing cards, but we're not playing cards. We mm. are working on something. Maybe they've had a stroke and we're trying to do bilateral uh, upper extremity integration. Maybe we're trying to, you know, they have a neglect on the left and we're having them trying to, you know, we're placing the cards on the left so that they have to search for them on that side. Maybe we're doing it in standing because they have poor standing tolerance because they can't brush their teeth in a standing position um, at the sink. So like, that is why we do weaving in school or five-page activity analysis on fishing because they're trying to teach you how to think about it. It's, it's more than the actual activity. And so once you kind of get those concepts, which is hard hmm. when you don't have as much life experience, I will say, and that's why I think that I'm, you know, I like to help those new grads because it's 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 helping them navigate because I actually do believe in them. Like they are, they know probably know newest research. They know 100%. all these things that I do not know. And I can learn just as much as they can learn from me. And so it's just like, once people kind of realize that what we're doing, why we're doing it, you can speak to the physician, you can speak to your clients so that they see the value of OT because you're not just like having them roll in their wheelchair in the rehab and like, okay, we're going to play cards. Like they don't know. They're just like, this is so pointless because they don't even understand what we're working on. I'll, I'll be very specific. Say, Hey, we're going to work on this because this is your goal. You know, I give choices, but mm. not always is it, it isn't always applicable to everyone depending on cognitive level. And there's all these things, right? client-centered, but really just understanding what we're doing, why we're doing it, and relaying that to our patients, I think is really important. Because I don't know about you guys, but like you hear all the time, you know, they'll be like, oh, OT didn't, oh, all we did was do this. And I'm just like, I know they're not just, I mean, they're not just playing games. Mm. They're not just doing this. But if no one explains it to the patient of what we're doing and why we're doing it, and we're not actually, you know, challenging them and documenting what we're doing and there's so many things that go into that but yeah i think you know, maybe i should crack out some basket weaving maybe that'd be meaningful to someone i mean that's why you can do quote crafts and you know in especially in i think skilled nursing because you're seeing them a long time you know for a longer period of time mm. you try to get creative and try to think what's fun and meaningful to them and they're like all they did was make cards i'm like i am not just making cards i'm doing that because it's meaningful they want to send a card to their granddaughter but this is actually what i'm working on mm. so it's it's just um i feel like it's the same same sort of thing with uh, when they're teaching evidence-based practice i mean i don't want to burst anyone's bubble but we don't enjoy marking assignments. It's <gasps> not fun. I know, right? Shock. Are you serious? Horror. Marking, reading the same assignment yeah. 200 times and grading yeah, it isn't my see. idea of a fun couple of weeks. Well. What we're doing <laughs> and what we're wanting to see for the most part is we're trying to teach people how to find evidence, how to learn mm -hmm. to critical think by justifying their choices using evidence and not taking everything from the one source mm -hmm. which judging by what happened over the pandemic people probably need to work on that a little bit more but well yeah that's again similar to the basket weaving is we're not teaching you to write an assignment that's not no. the point like no. if i was going to do that i would walk you through step by step what to put and where to put it the point yeah. is we want to endow you with the skill of being able to find evidence that supports or disproves anything mm -hmm. that you want to do with a client 
so that mm-hmm. you're able to make the best choices for the client. Mm-hmm. Anyone, uh, the, the argument that courses aren't preparing people for practice shits me to tears and I'm uh, mainly because like I, I've no doubt that there is going to be a course out there that might not be preparing students properly. A hundred percent. But, mm-hmm. but <laughs> given that we're a world registered profession and that <laughs> all of our courses are essentially like we're accredited by a world yeah. federation, which is, you know, setting the standard for the profession there's, mm-hmm. You can look all these documents up about what goes into accreditation on the WFAT website if you would like. Mm-hmm. Um, means that in theory, everyone trained in the States, in Australia, in the UK, wherever, should relatively have the very similar skill set. Mm-hmm. How the course goes about it is often left up to them and their local, well, I say local, but like national accrediting bodies. Yeah. But if we're simply looking at did they teach me to do this assignment with this particular population, then, yeah, no, you're probably not going to be prepared, but it probably means that you weren't paying attention mm-hmm. because that's not their job. Their job is to teach you the concepts and how to think and how to find information and that kind of stuff in order to be able to go out and become an OT when you're finished. Mm-hmm. If you think that when you're doing a mechanics apprenticeship that they teach you how to change the oil on every car ever made, then you're a fool. They teach Mm -hmm. you the concepts of how a car works so that that person can then apply that to any vehicle that might come into their shop. Mm -hmm. The same thing happens. They're teaching that person the conceptual ideas and the, the, the basics on how to think, and if they don't know, how to find the information in order to be able to help anyone that comes into their workshop. The same thing happens with OT. Yeah. So this, this argument that, the, yeah. oh, the courses aren't preparing us for practice probably says one of two things. is One, uh, you probably were focusing on the wrong part of it. And if you're focusing on the fact that they're trying to prepare you for how to think as opposed to prepare you to what to do, that's a much better way of doing it. But also it may mm-hmm. speak to the employee ex- employer expectation in the area that you're mm-hmm. trying to go into. And maybe that employer that's expecting, you know, 10-year experience out of a new grad isn't the right person to be working for straight right. off the bat. Right. Yeah. I mean, like, I, yeah, I, I'd be able to apply OT in a different, you know, a non-adult setting. But there'd be a learning curve, and that's mm. kind of to be expected. I mean, I don't know. And, and you know, to be honest, it's just like there are going to be programs, you know, that aren't, quote, as yeah, yeah. You know, good as others. Or maybe you have a really challenging or terrible clinical instructor on fieldwork. Or maybe your fieldwork experience wasn't, you know what I mean? Like there are scenarios. Like I never want to underestimate that because I've heard some horror stories as well, right? Um, but I also know that... OTs are critical. I mean, like I like to think in general, we're critical thinkers. We care about people. We really want to do a good job and we are resourceful. So I think also using, like I said, using the resources that are available to you and being proactive in your own profession, like professional growth is really important because it's, 
especially if you went to school and you passed the NBCOT, okay, our, our national board exam, um, we it, that kind of tells me we all have the same level of baseline information, essentially, right? And maybe some feel more prepared than others, but you passed it. Like, you yeah. passed it. You are a smart cookie. You are not an idiot. Yep. Like, it's harder. It's hard. Um, and so, like, I think sometimes there's an expectation that you should just know everything, but also, like, I feel like there also needs to be a personal responsibility of your own professional growth. I didn't wasn't involved in anything OT um, the first, I don't know, maybe five, eight years of practice. Like I wasn't involved in my state association. I was kind of like, I'm done with, like, I just want to work and make some money and do a good job. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I kind of started feeling a little burnt out and I was looking for a different setting. Um, and I kind of started like, kind of, I really all honestly always felt like it's almost like I didn't quite belong there. Like, Ooh, am I, I'm a professional now. Like I like, should I be involved? Like I never, I was just like, no, like I wasn't really, I was like journal articles. Like I was just like all of it. And then now, however many years later, I've, you know, co-written chapters in OT textbooks. I've, you know what I mean? Like I, I really shifted how I was like, I, if I don't want to be burnt out, like I want to be involved. And once you start getting involved in some of those like state associations, um, you really actually, one, have an understanding more of what they actually do, but it really helped me with my own burnout. Like I started, I started doing like lunch and learn stuff at work. Um, we had a journal club. Like I kind of was like, I felt like I just needed that. Like, I'm just like, I'm falling into my own ruts, right? Mm. Like we all kind of get in our own little ruts. And so I really was proactive and I really wish I would have done that sooner because I think that helped me find people that are like-minded that want, are in that, like, I guess, growth mindset of professionalism. Like I really, I guess I was craving it and I didn't really know. Um, and it really helped me because I felt like my cohort, my, it, when I was starting out, like I was the youngest by m- at least 10 years. Yeah. Right. So I think, you know, I finished my master's when I was like, you know, I don't know, 23, maybe, you know, um, or something like that. And I jumped right in and, you know, like I was, I just felt like no one really cared, you know what I mean? And I was like, Oh, this is the way it is. But once I started finding my people, through my state association, it's like I said, finding journal, you know, journal, we had a journal club at the hospital. It wasn't just, um, yeah. just the rehab facility, um, finding other, you know, other medical professionals that, you know, like, like the discussion. Cause I do like the discussion as you know, I can talk. Um, and <laughs> you know, and just finding that and realizing like, I might not find that at work. That yeah, might yeah. not be my people that are at the same level of me as me, but I want, I was really driven to like, be the best that I could be. And everybody's at a different stage and not everybody has to, you know, do it my way. What I'm saying is that there are options, um, out there and to not be afraid to jump in or go to like a state conference or like, you know, do those different things because those people are like-minded. They're at the same, they want that, you know, that's why it's like fun talking like on this podcast, talking with you and talking with all these other people. And that's why I had my podcast, like, right. You get to connect with people that want to have these conversations and thought, thought around the profession. And I like that. So, and I think that's really an important lesson I learned about myself 
um, over I feel the like years. That, that also just to add on to that too is for me personally, where I get the most value from is from these more extended conversations. Like, I, <laughs> yeah. like I'm the first one to admit that I'm not a huge, like I use it probably too much, but I'm not a huge fan of social media. What? Um, I know, right? I'm kidding. That's why I just I disappear know. for like months on end I sometimes. Know. But yeah. um, you end up getting these like tiny snippets and then you end up getting contradicting tiny snippets and everyone and their dog has an opinion on yeah. you know, this, that and the other thing. And it's very, a lot of that ends up like clashing with each other and it just creates mm-hmm. this confusion. And I can see why new grads are getting confused by the the very mixed messages uh, yes. out there it's like going and looking at the news and only seeing the headlines which is probably one of the reasons mm-hmm. why i hate twitter as well but um, oh that's a whole other thing yeah that's, we won't go there um, yeah. <laughs> whereas if you actually have uh like the journal club like actual uh some support set up for yourself if you want to start a podcast start a podcast like it's a yeah. good way of like we were talking before this like it's a good mm-hmm. way to like catch up and stay connected with people and mm-hmm. you actually get to have extended conversations and I've had people like talk even about this podcast like I see people at conferences and stuff and they're like you know it's really good to be able to hear an opinion sort of flushed out over an extended period of time as opposed to me just going I think this and just leaving it at that which is 90% of what's out there on social media and Facebook and all of that sort of stuff and it just I right. feel like more long form, long form content is uh, where I personally get much more value, and like even not just like creating this stuff, but like even the the, the podcasts and the content that I consume on YouTube and and, mm-hmm. and, and other places, mm-hmm. I am usually always drawn to the more long form content because I'm a person that would rather, even if it's something I disagree with, I want to know why that person Mm. thinks that way Mm -hmm. or where that opinion was formed for them as opposed to just, you know, I don't like ducks. Why the hell doesn't he like ducks? What the hell? (laughs) They're adorable. I know. (laughs) And then, yeah, yeah, and then you find out he has like a long-term childhood trauma (laughs) with regards to like the little duckling or something. See? I think part of it is because I, I, I use the word nosy and that's not the right word, but like we really do need curious. to dig into people. We're curious. Mm. And I think OTs have to be curious and if you really want to get the information that you need in order to help your patients to the best their your ability. So um, I think that's just naturally a little bit who well, we are. I feel like that's a, a personality trait that I see in like some of the, the people that I would regard as the, the best therapist that I know. Mm-hmm. Um, being curious about people is yeah. a personality trait that pretty much all of them share and yeah i'm like well it's no wonder to me in my eyes that they're the people that you know are able to build that therapeutic rapport and build that therapeutic relationship the best and and do mm-hmm. some of the best like occupation based practice uh, yeah. integrate you know medical models social models psychological model yeah. stuff all at once like they're the people that i would put up as sort of goals for wanting to be mm-hmm. like them is, and it I, I do feel like it all stems from that natural curiosity that they have about people and how they work. Yeah, yeah. 
Oh, OT. <laughs> so, yes. Just to wrap up, because I see you looking at your oh, watch. What? Fine. Time flies and you're having fun. We don't have to. We can keep going if you want. No, that's, it's, you know, I, I did talk a lot. That's all right. No, that's, that's a good <laughs> thing. So, what do you think? What, what would be the best piece of advice you could give for current students or new grads who are feeling a little bit lost? I think, honestly, find your people. I really do. I think and that can be in a lot of different ways, right? Like, um, like I've said, join maybe a group, um, like a Facebook group, or like I said, I have a membership, um, at OT flourish when I support, you know, people working with older adults in skilled nursing and home health, um, where you kind of have that safe space where you can get the information you need um, and also feel supported. And um, like I said, Facebook groups or finding people that you, you know, have online or even just like within your own facility. Um, I think it's one of those things is like really being, but how do you do that, right? Like how, how do you do that? But you have to be proactive. Like you have to, it cannot be passive. And it sounds really crazy that that should even be something that we have to say. But I think sometimes when you're really overwhelmed, like, to say like, oh, like I know I need the support, but like to actually go and do it, it feels like another thing to do. Um, and I understand that because you feel buried, but I, I promise you that once you start seeing that there's other people who are in the exact same situation with as you are, or you are um, even just like like-minded in there, like, you know, they're really trying hard and they're, or they're trying to like, you just can connect on that level. Um, there's a, there's just like that level of like, I'm not in this alone. And a lot of people just need that extra support and saying like, I, you know, you can do this. Like you've done the hard bits. Mm. You will learn, um, because there's a lot of imposter syndrome. There's a lot of self doubt. There's just like, and I think people are just kind of scared that they're going to do the wrong thing or hurt someone or like, you know, like if they had a different therapist, they, you know, they would have, they'd be getting better faster and things like that. And it's all okay. I feel like if you are genuinely doing your best and even if you don't know, and you tell your patient, like, I don't really know, I got to do my research. Like they respect that. Hmm. Um, and that's something to be honest. And they see you as a human that's really puts their best interests at heart. And I think that that's, those are the things. So you know, making those efforts to find those people when you're really struggling. I, I, like I said, I created my thing, my membership, because this is exactly what I would have needed as a new grad struggling on my own. Yep. Um, so I just think there are such amazing mentorships and groups and scenarios that you can find those people. And it's hard because we are in a world of lurking, like, we're in a world of lurking where you're like, I want support, but I don't want to participate. Like, I get it. I do. Um, especially when you feel overwhelmed. So it's just like trying to figure that out. I think sometimes is really helpful um, because I do believe that if you got to that point, if you got to the point where you passed everything, like you've done all the things, like yeah, that's, that's the hard bit. Now it's just like, you'll find your groove. It does take time. Give yourself that grace because, um, 
everybody when they start a new job position is kind of like, oh, new it's new yeah. systems. Figure out where everything is. Figure out your coworkers. Figure out your population. I mean, it's not you're not alone. And I know it's just like that feeling of like, oh, I'm not doing enough, but you are. And I really, I really do believe that. So, oh, they can do it. They can do it. You know. That's awesome. Yeah. And I was going to say, I was going to share with you, with the listeners, is I also have like, um, I call it like a new geriatric starter pack is what I call it. And it's like a little, it has like a, a little training video and it has documentation cheat sheet and has like treatment ideas. But the video is about how to work on ADLs without working on ADLs, right? It's like, how do you use activity analysis to say, how can I get more creative in my, in my practice? So... If anybody wants to grab that, um, I will. It's otflourish.com backslash starter dash pack. But it's and it's free. You can just take what you want, what you need. But it's kind of like a good introduction if you've never done anything in geriatrics before and you're just feeling overwhelmed. So the documentation thing is good, but it's just like because some people kind of get in those ruts. They're like, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to get you know creative with my treatments, and then they yeah. just do ADLs over and over and over and the patients are like, oh, okay, like I'm not getting any, but like you get to a point where you have to really break that down. Yeah, yeah. And so I kind of go over that and give them some tips because some of those things are just hard when you're getting going. So anyway, yeah, I awesome. wanted to share that with everyone too, because it's tough out there sometimes. And I guess my, what my mission is, is to kind of help ease that transition and be a voice of not perfection or know-it-all, but along the lines of like, I want like, we can learn together. Mm. Like, let's do it. You know? It's beautiful. So, anyway. Yeah. I love it. Well, <laughs> thanks for coming and having a chat. It's been a while. Oh, my gosh. I very much enjoyed it. <laughs> I love it. I, I love I love chatting as well, as we all can see. But thank you for inviting. Oh, I invited myself. But thank you for having it's me. An open invite. I told you that. I like, know. Years you said ago. that before. No, I know. But so thanks. We have to just pressure so you to start your podcast up again. I know. I might. One day. One day. One day. I'll get there. (laughs) If you liked this episode and want to check out more, head over to OccupiedPodcast.com or search Occupied Podcast in your favorite podcasting app. If you have thoughts or reflections on the topics discussed today, please do get in contact. We'd love to hear from you. And lastly, if you got some value from this and you want to help us out, like, subscribe, share it with a friend. Remember, be good to yourself, be good to others, and always keep occupied.